Thanks very much. And that was great, Owen. Just amazing to hear. It's quite interesting as you were speaking too, we discovered how deep the bitter feelings are in Asia to Japan. And uh, we were just in a church with some leaders there, and it was quite amazing how quickly a simple little comment surfaced just the deep bitterness in the heart. So great to hear of reconciliation. Isn't that right? And uh, I want to thank you for your prayers for us last weekend. We've been uh, away in America. We went to San Diego, a church we've been to uh, about three times. And uh, God moved in an extreme powerful way. The church just exploded with life. People were set free. There were people who uh, had downloads of uh, revelation in their heart and lives. And uh, just a huge impact. Hundreds of lives impacted. And uh, you can see the shift in the church. You could see people in leadership ministering now. It was easier even though there were more people because of what God had done to build and establish people. They'd taken hold of what we shared it and made it their own. And so that was fantastic. And uh, great to see something like that happen. I want to share with you, I, I've just um, been talking, we've been talking with Dave and Kate, just praying on just where to go with uh, messages and uh, what's the, uh, the, the thing to do right now. And uh, we just basically felt we should just listen to the Holy Spirit and uh, just step by step, just begin to unravel things that God is wanting to say and do. And so I want to begin a series, I'm not too sure how long it'll take me to do it, but I want to share a series called Legacy. Legacy. Legacy, or it is what we leave to the next generation. Legacy, what we leave to the next generation. Why don't you have a look with me in Genesis 13 and verse 15. <clears throat> Any of you ever been to the reading of a will? Isn't that great? Well, it's kind of mixed feelings, isn't it? Because you're sort of sad, but there's a good part to it. Something has been left. And... Uh, uh, so whenever there's uh, a will, there's always someone died, and there's always something to receive. And that's what we call the new covenant. The new covenant, someone died and left something for us to receive. So we're all participators in a new covenant. And I want to make this much more personal. But let's just start. I want to give a scripture basis, but I want to also talk out of our personal journey. And I want to put quite a high degree of challenge for us as a church. To whom much is given, much is expected. That's what Jesus said. And uh, in, in, in Genesis chapter 13, uh, verse 14, in the middle of verse 14, God spoke to Abram, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, north, south, east, and west. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. Notice key words, lift up your eyes. Okay, lift up your eyes and look. In other words, get vision. Second thing you notice is important, he said, he said, uh, he said, all which you see, you can never come into something you don't see. You have to see it before you'll enter it. And you notice the next thing it says, I give it to you and your descendants. So when God is thinking about you and putting something into your life, you have to understand this. It's not just for you. When God thinks, he thinks generationally. He thinks he's the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. So he's a generational God. God thinks generationally. He thinks in terms of what is given to you, growing, being passed on to the next generation, growing and expanding. So through the Bible, inheritance is extremely important. In fact, it was so important that every 50 years they had the year of Jubilee, 
so important that in the year of Jubilee, if you lost your inheritance, it came back to you and you had another chance again. You were set free, you got your land back, and you got a fresh start. That's how important inheritance is from God's point of view. And he wants us to understand our inheritance. He wants us to understand the things that have been provided through, for us through what Jesus did on the cross. But I want to make it quite a lot more personal as we walk through this. So God intended that the inheritance that was to be passed on to Abraham would be cultivated, uh, passed on and cultivated, so each generation would expand or receive increase on what had already been given. That's how God works. He always works that way. He wants to increase. So he intended, notice that all Abraham had to do was to see it, but then he had to arise and to walk into it. So it's one thing to see what God has provided for you, but it requires a decision to step up and make it your own. So Abraham never had to fight for it. What he had to do was believe God for it and walk. In other words, change his life to appropriate what God had given him. That's what inheritance is about, spiritual inheritance. So the, the process that spiritual inheritance is passed on is called discipleship. And Jesus did not say, go and build a big church. He said, go and make disciples. He, said, he didn't say, uh, go and I'll make you famous. Go and I'll make you rich. Go and I'll make you have a comfortable life. Go and I'll promote you and do all this thing. He said, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. So the process whereby what one person has is passed on to another spiritually is called discipleship. And I'll talk to you a bit more about it because this is the direction or one of the things that the church will need to embrace for the coming days ahead. And uh, so let me ask you this thing. What it, have you ever had an experience where something was handed on to you? Something was given to you? Something, it's precious when someone passes something on to us that cost them something or was an important part of their life. So I want you to look with me one, one uh, more passage now, Genesis chapter 29, Deuteronomy 29, Deuteronomy 29, <coughs> Deuteronomy 29. Notice this one here, it's a very important passage. Now the secret things belong to God. He said, but the things which are revealed, notice here it is, belong to us and belong to our children forever. So again, you see the same principle if God reveals something to you, it's not just for you, it's for your children. Now, that's literally your own family first. We've kind of got into a thing that we leave training our children up to the church, but that's only an hour or two hours a week. It's never going to work. We actually have to take on the responsibility of the discipleship of our family ourselves. So God intends that whatever is revealed to you as a parent it is passed on, it belongs to the children. Notice what it says here, belongs to the children, so that we may do the works of this law. So first of all, a legacy is just property or money or something that is passed on from one generation to another or one person to another. It's a legacy. A legacy can be physical, property, money, can be an object. You could have a, a watch that's passed on that belonged to your grandfather, and it's a legacy. It's something that was handed down to you. Legacies can also be uh, not tangible. They can be family traditions. So you may have a legacy of family traditions, and some of those are good. Some of them may not be very good at all. Uh, family traditions. So family traditions or family ways of doing things or family values. These, these things 
are, are things which can be transmitted from one generation to the other. I look at, uh, at Aaron and Julie, and I look at their family, and I see a strong legacy parted into their children. And it didn't just happen. It was actually intentional, and the children are children to be proud of. They've risen up, and they're achieving at high levels. This is a great thing. To have a legacy passed on like that, that's a great sign of success as a parent. So notice there, uh, legacy is something that's hand on. So it can be physical or it can be non-material. Now, revelation is something which God reveals to you and shows to you. And here's the thing to realize. God reveals it to you, that's free. Growing it and giving it to others will cost you something. So here's the thing about inheritance or about legacy. The first thing is that anything that God shows you is intended to change your life. Anything God reveals to you is intended to change how you live. It's not so you can come in and say, oh, this is a great teaching. Oh, this is great. Oh, that was really, I need more of that. No, 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 no. It's actually to change our life. So therefore, the teaching of the Word of God needs to change how we live and do life. What you value, what you do. So if you walk out of a meeting and you never stopped at some point to say, God, what are you speaking to me about and how do you want me to change? What do you want me to do? You're not applying the Word of God. Remember, it says in, in, in Genesis that the, the inheritance was something that they should walk into. So here it is here. It says that we might do all the words of the law. So God intends uh, whatever he shows you to be passed on. Here's the second thing about that verse here, that the next generation can receive without paying the price. Now, I'm going to touch on that a little bit more. Joy and I travel globally. We, we touch literally hundreds of thousands of people every year. We minister in many different countries. I have more invitations than I can possibly agree to or say yes to and have the potential of increasing greatly what we do. Now, that is not an accident or something that just happened because we're special people. There was a journey we took with God, and this is the consequence. So you Going back to Aaron again, Aaron has taken a journey with God and choice, the result of many decisions, our children are where they are at. His marriage is where it's at. And I notice that one of the things I notice about both Aaron and Julie is their faithfulness and diligence in every aspect of their life. It's carried on to their children. So uh, so thing about them is the next generation can receive without paying the price. However, they do pay the price to expand it and increase it. So I can impart to you what God has given to me. I can show you what I've learned. In fact, I can show you things in, in an hour that took me years to learn. Now, if it took me years to learn and you can get it in an hour, then you've got something given to you that costs someone a price. So you get the idea? Now, but for you to carry it and bring it out to someone else, that will cost you. So the, the purpose of inheritance is God wants inheritance or legacy to go to you and then you increase it and enlarge it so that it expands. And that'll cost you something. So for you to sit in the church and receive the Word of God week after week after week and never touch a life with it means you're squandering your legacy. You're not actually doing with it what God called you to do, and that is to influence the world, impact the, the lives of people. Jesus said, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. He's pretty clear in that. Follow me. 
We follow lots of things, you know. We can follow the world. We can follow opinions. We can follow offenses. We can follow culture. We can follow values. We can follow our family. We can follow parents. We can follow all kinds. Jesus said, follow me. And he said, I will make you, or you will change, and you will become a certain kind of person. He says, a person who is a fisher of men. He didn't say evangelist. He said, a person who can impact people's lives or attract people into the kingdom. Here's a question to ask. Who am I attracting into the kingdom of God? Who am I intentionally reaching out to to attract into God's kingdom? That means the legacy I've been given, I'm starting to expand it because legacy is expanded or developed as you pass it on into the lives of others. Think of someone like Elaine Morrison, and uh, Elaine doesn't have a high profile in the church, but I know her passion for evangelism and just so many people over so many years that she has discipled in her home. And they carry, she's taken what was given to her, and she has expanded it by sharing it with someone else. So what God gives you is to be passed on. And the process of passing on or expanding what God has given you is called discipleship and growth. So Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you. In other words, he said, if you pursue me, you will grow. And in your growing, things which make you unattractive, things which turn people off, are going to be stripped away from you. And you become a person who actually can influence people positively and in a way that helps them change your life for the better. That's what Jesus said. So if you're not attracting people to him, who are you following or what are you following? Just a thought, isn't it? Let's carry on about legacy. I want to stay on track here. So legacy, notice here it says that the legacy is for children, for the children. That word children there is an unusual word. Uh, the word children there means, it's the word in, in, in the original language, ben, meaning the builder of the family. So it's an interesting thing that inheritance or legacy passes in through families from one generation to another. But from a biblical point of view, it passes on to those who are sons or will build the house or build the family of God. So, one important foundation for receiving and growing legacy in the, in the things of God is that you are committed to become a builder, become a son. That means to have relationships. Now, this is a bit of a shock to the church because we tend to think of church as a place we just come and stand there and hide in the crowd and walk away. But actually, for legacy to be imparted to you and to grow requires connection and relationship. Have a look at the men in the Bible who received great impartations. Think of Elisha, double portion, but there was a unique relationship between him and Elijah, and there was a spiritual discipleship going on. Think of the apostles who went out. They were discipled by Jesus. Think of Paul and Timothy. Timothy carried the same anointing, same mantle, same flow, same ways that were on uh, Paul. How'd that happen? Discipleship. Silas did too. However, church in in the, in the 20th century... Has, has, has often centered around the meetings rather than around the intentional exchange of life and changing how we do life, doing life together and shifting how we do life. So we start to impact people. That's one of the big shifts that will take place in the future because a fatherless generation desperately had needs of fathers and mothers from the body of Christ to help them grow. Any idea? So, the, so legacy passes on. So I have watched hands being laid on people over years. You know what conclusion I come to? In the majority of cases, whatever they got is gone in less than a week. Isn't that interesting? However, where there's strong connection and relationship, they tend to carry what was given to them, not because of the hands being laid on, but also because of the connection and the relationship. Think about Paul and Timothy. 
Paul, Timothy had received a gift through the laying on of hands, but his gift had become dormant, and it was his relationship with Paul that allowed Paul to speak into his life that got the gift active again. So without someone speaking into your life, it's likely that the giftings in you will become dormant. So even if you receive, it's likely to become dormant without the stimulation of relationships in a small group and being positioned so someone can speak into your life, so you are stirred in your walk with God and stirred in activating what God has put in your life. How does that sound? That's how it works. That's actually how it works. So I've watched people come up, come up for hands, and believe me, it's a great thing to come up and get hands laid on. But I've seen over the years... Very few carry what they went up for, and there's a reason for it. So we want to try and overcome that reason, and I want to help you by sharing out of our own journey. So legacy can be lost. The legacy that was purchased by parents can be lost in the next generation. You think of Esau. Esau lost his inheritance. He was the eldest son and entitled inheritance, and the Bible does he lost it because he did not place a value on what was his by legacy. Think about that. I wonder if you understand what God has built into this church and into our lives that you could eat of and take and it be your legacy. Because if it's not valued, it is lost. Just like that. Next generation has to discover it all again. That's a terrible thing to happen. God wants us. So for, for us in our season of life, our greatest challenge is to be able to pass on and have others carry the things we carry. I want to identify what some of them are and, the, and a couple of aspects of it. So a gener- uh, inheritance can be lost. One of the things that uh, I uh, have noticed is that many children, when they get money from their parents, blow it. Have you noticed that? They blow it. Parents saved up all these years, passed the money on, the kids just blow the dough and it's a mess. And, and you realize then that while they were left physical inheritance, they didn't have the value system needed to make it grow. So they just blew it all away because they weren't thinking right. Hadn't been really discipled or trained. So there's legacy. All right then. Now, uh, so what I want to move on, I want to share two more things now. The next thing I want to share on is that just some of the movements that God has made, uh, historical movements, to show you about this issue that the things that are revealed are ours and then our next generation. So if I just quickly cover them, only take a couple of minutes. First one is, if we go back through each move of God, major move of God historically, God revealed things to people, to his church. And what he wanted the church to do was to receive it, change, and then carry it to the next generation. And then when he moved again, the next generation would receive it, change, and take it to the next generation. So God is in a journey of the church receiving, changing, and then moving on to the next flow that God wants to do. That's how it's always been. So just from a simple point of view, uh, Martin Luther uh, came forward and he spoke forth the truth that was revealed to him that the just shall live by faith. In other words, that man is justified by faith, not by works. And so here you are today, you prayed the sinner's prayer and you got saved and you were justified by faith. So what for him created upheaval, the threat of prison, fear, the loss of life, and for many people, persecutions and death... For you, you just walk in, walk up the front and receive it like that. Didn't cost you anything. Think about the next move of God. One, one, I'll just give a few of them. Uh, the Anabaptists. The Anabaptists uh, taught that after you've been justified by faith, you need to be baptized as a follower of Christ, baptized by immersion. So therefore, infant baptism or sprinkling doesn't count. You need to follow Christ and express it like that. You know, 
many of them died for that truth. But you walked in the church. No one threatened to kill you if you get baptized. You just got baptized, and that was just something that you walked into. You walked in because someone paid the price. You walked into the legacy someone bought. They paid the price. What price did they pay? They could have believed it, done it secretly, and never expanded it. But when they started to share it, preach it, proclaim it, and take it out to give it to others, then they paid the price. So always it's the expansion of the legacy that you're given is where the price has to be paid. To get it isn't hard. To get it's incredibly easy. In fact, getting it is part of the legacy, part of your right when you're connected properly with the Lord. Okay, think about the holiness movement, John, John Wesley. John Wesley brought a truth about holiness, sanctification. There was a great move of God. He set up the Methodist church. Uh, he was so hated and banned, the only place he could stand to preach at one time was on his father's grave. He stood on the father's grave. Hundreds gathered around, and he preached off the father's grave. People fell out of the trees, and they slain in the spirit. power of God came, and there was a huge upheaval against them. People paid the price for the holiness movement. You think about 1906, the move of God on Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Come into the church here, you got baptized in spirit, spoken tongues, there was no problems at all. No one threw you in jail, no one locked you up in asylum. But that's what happened to all the people in that move of God. They were criticized, they were told they were mad, they'd gone insane, they were locked up in insane asylums. All kinds of things happened, yet all over the world there was this move. You'd be baptized in the Holy Ghost, speak in tongues, and flow in the things of the Spirit. And for them, they used to wait on God for hours. We can just get it in just a moment's prayer, boom, it's ours. Now, now, you notice that every one of the generations had to pay a price. 1948, there was another move of God. Probably most of you haven't heard about it, but uh, the churches we would know, apostolic, assemblies of God and so on, came out of the 1906 move, but another group of churches flowed out of a move of God in 1948. That was called the Laying on the Hands Revival. People who were in that Laying on the Hands Revival were t- treated as heretics. They were, they, were, they were abused. They were put out of churches. They were criticized. Nevertheless, God established a whole new truths about the laying on the hands, the fivefold ministry, the restoration of the tabernacle of David, the restoration of the sons of God, uh, adoption, spiritual adoption, uh, fivefold ministry, uh, impartation, whole range of truths. They paid a price. And so we can come into that real easy. However, to grow it, you've got to pay a price because you've got to take what God has given and develop it. And so there have been other moves of God, moves of the Spirit, and uh, most of them have been quite local. There was a charismatic move, which was a global one, and that restored, again, the flow of the Spirit, the gifts, uh, the home, home group ministry, all fired up under that. It became a very pastoral movement, and it was meant to change the churches. But in the end, with a lot of these movements, they come, some receive and go on, some fight it, there's a conflict, and then you find a parting of the ways and something new starts. That's how it works. Now, in the last uh, uh, 50 years, God has been moving much more quickly. And so uh, in 1950s, what he started off, what, what was birthed out of the 48 revival was restoration of the fivefold ministries, the truth of it. In 1950s, what happened was a whole group of evangelists began to rise up global, all over the world. Evangelists rose up, healing evangelists, great crusades. In America, every kind of country, there were great crusades, evangelists preaching the gospel, people being saved, miracles, wonderful miracles. And then in the, uh, in the 60s, there came the whole pastoral movement, cell groups, some of the charismatic movement became the big thing. If you're in church, you went into a small group. And uh, you were in cell group, and there was sharing and so on. Then in the, uh, in the 70s, there was the teaching movement, and, and so people had teaching courses. Every church you went to, there were teachers, there were teaching courses. It just got embedded in teaching. Then in what tends to happen is church exaggerates the thing that God has given and then lose perspective or end up polarized that that's the deal, and there's no more. 
And so in the uh, 1970s, uh, 80s, the uh, prophetic movement started, and so prophets began to emerge. There were prophetic conferences, there were prophetic training sessions, all kinds of things like that began to emerge. Now, uh, then everyone thought the prophets were the big deal. And then in the uh, 1990s, the apostles started to emerge, church planting, church pioneers. And so you th- it's quite clearly that God has been doing something over 50 years. Now, the question you've got to ask is, what next? What next? Because if you don't look and see what he's been doing, you won't think he's doing anything. You just think, I'll turn up on Sunday. And you have no perspective. See, if you don't have perspective, you can't make decisions, not good ones. You have to have God's perspective to make decisions and choices. So if God has been moving in that kind of way over those last 50 years, what is, he, what is it moving towards? Ephesians 4.11, he gave those ministries for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So the big shift is not about apostles and prophets and pastors and evangelists. It's not about them. It's about the people they're supposed to raise up. It's about you. The next great move is the day of the saints. It's the day of God's people getting out of the church and doing something. That, that's where God is moving. That's what God is on. We can say, well, I just want to hold back and have lovely meetings, have prophecies and laying on their hands, blah, blah, blah. Go back to the 80s. And if you want to stay there, that's fine. But God moves on. We become irrelevant. Totally irrelevant. Totally irrelevant. Are we blessed? Yes. But we're not in the forever of God, not in the flow where God is moving. God is clearly, globally making it clear that in this hour, it's about visions and dreams, about people being equipped, about going into the community, about works of mercy, works of compassion. It's about going into the, uh, the, the, the various pillars of society and starting to make an impact where you are. It's about actually taking the life of God out of the church. So the church is about where you come to worship God and be equipped, and out there is where you do ministry. Now, there will be ministries, always needs in the family. There's always chores to be done in a family. But the great work is the work you do most of the rest of your life, which is out there with people, engaging in them, and are you a fisher of men, attracting people to Christ? That's what God is on. So don't hanker for what he was doing begin to build on what he's done and start to move forward. Start to get a hold of where God's moving and say, I want to be fully part of that. Now, this is not age dependent. There are young ones resistant just as much as old ones do. The moves of God have never been dependent on age. So when God talks about a new generation, he's not talking about how old you are. He's talking about your thinking. You can be young and be old in your thinking. You can be young and set in your thinking. You can be old and fresh in your thinking, sensitive to God and say, man, I see what God is doing. Bring it on. Bring it on. Do we need change? Yes, but bring it on. Bring on what God is doing. That's the way we want to live, not fighting what God is doing, standing against it, because in my opinion, I don't agree with it. That's what people do. It's a horrendous thing, isn't it, really? So God wants it. The church is not the kingdom. The church is not the kingdom. Kingdom of God is bigger than the church. So let me just give you some perspective. If someone leaves our church and goes somewhere else, God's kingdom didn't diminish. Wasn't that good? But it may not be good for them. Because where you're a part of is important for your spiritual development. 
If you don't understand the legacy and what you can get hold of and position yourself for it, then it doesn't matter where you go. Just go anywhere. It's really important. Much more important than you think. When I come back into this church, you know what I love every time? I just love the presence that comes in the worship. It's like nothing else I find anywhere else. There's something about it every time. It's like water to me. I've been in great churches. I come here, but God does something here for me. I don't get anywhere else, and I love to be here and be back in it. Okay, so I want to share a scripture, a very simple one. Then I'm just going to list for you the key things that God has built in our life and ask you whether you've made these part of your life, and then more importantly, whether you're communicating any of these things to anyone. Okay? So, but here's the scripture I want you to have a look at. In Hebrews chapter 13, Hebrews chapter 13, and uh, verse 17. Hebrews 13 and verse 17. And uh, verse 7, sorry. Now, notice he's talking uh, in Hebrews around a whole lot of things. And uh, in verse 7, he says, Remember those who rule over you or who lead you, who have spoken to you the word of God. Okay? So it's saying, bring back into mind or start to think again about those who lead you and who have bought you God's word. That's pretty clear instruction, isn't it? Well, you may not like that, but God says to think about it. And it says, whose faith follow considering the outcome of their conduct or their life. So the word consider means take another close look at. And so God wants you to closely look at people who lead you. And this is what you should closely look at. You should look at the end or what flows out from the way they live their life. He says you look at every aspect of their life. It's not about the message, it's about the person. And notice what it says, it says, whose faith follow. So the Bible commands us to follow people of faith, not people of offense. Think about it. It commands us to follow people of faith. So how can you tell a person of faith? Well, they just say, I love Jesus. No, that's not how you tell a person of faith. Well, I just bought this great prophecy. No, that's not how you tell a person of faith. Well, I just preached a great message. No, that's not how you tell a person of faith. You have to consider their lifestyle and what over a period of time has resulted from it. Then... That will indicate whether they're people of faith. And you notice you're not told to necessarily follow a person. We're to follow Jesus Christ. But God works through people. And the thing you look for in the people is their faith. And it says, imitate someone's faith if they're a person of faith. I was in one season of my life. And I looked around and I said, God, I don't know where there's any men of faith. Because every time I go to this conference that we're part of this movement... They all talk about people who fell in immorality, people who fell in finance. This happened, this happened, this happened. I'm sick of all of that. We're a man of faith. Someone told me about a man, and I listened and I heard, and I that's a man of faith. I need to connect so I can grow in my faith. So faith has to do with you believing God and experiencing His reality working in your life. That's a good thing to, to look at, isn't it? So you have a look not just at whether the person has got a great personality. You look actually at the outcome of their life. Now, what has God built into our lives? What God put into us is a legacy that can become 
part of yours. I remember I was in a meeting in Indonesia, and there were about 2,000 people, about 1,000 will come up in the altar call, and uh, I remember thinking, it was just Dave and me there, and I'd, I'd, I'd ask them, please set it up so we do training first, and after the training, then we've got some leaders, people to pray in the ministry team, and we get going. And there was no, they just, they didn't do it. They just set it up, there's 1,000 people there for prayer, Dave and me. Said, okay, Dave, this is your great day. This is your day. I'm going to do half them. You've got to do the other half. There's your 500. Here's my 500. There's the line down the middle there. I'll pray for these, and you'll just have to get going. And uh, anyway, I got praying, and there was a great move of God. The power of God came. People being delivered. All sorts of things happening. I thought, oh, Dave, I wonder how Dave's doing. And I look around, and whoa, there's people down everywhere. And he's kept up. He's up. He's about the same level I am. He's, and people are going down under the power of God. Demons are coming. People screaming. They, whoa, that's something else. Then I carried on, and we finished about the same time. I thought, Man, that's something else. I've never seen him do that before. And I talked to him about it afterwards. He said, I realized three months ago and began to pray that what is on your life would become, it's my inheritance, and I have a legacy in that. It can become on my life. And so he said, I began to pray for it to rest on my life. Not bad, eh? Because he saw the truth of legacy. And it comes not just to natural sons and daughters, it comes to spiritual sons and daughters. It comes to those who are connected in right relationship who allow God to work through a person or a man of God to help them. Now, you're not to actually copy the person. You have to be yourself. God wants you to be unique. But we need people with skin on to show us what faith looks like in real life. We need people who model the life of Christ. So you can say, man, good to be around that person. Uh, they just pumping with faith, and I see the journey they've taken, and boy, there's something there. You can't explain it. can only be God. See, that's how you do it. So I want to share with you quickly now, and then we'll finish. There are people who influenced our lives. In another session, I'll tell you who those people were, and I'll tell you also what we had to do to receive from them and grow it. And every one of the people that I will name for you and share with you, every one of them gave us something. But I have taken what they gave and made it bigger and expanded it and greatly increased it. What they gave me was free to get. I remember sitting in a meeting with a group of people in a group, and I was the only one who took away what that leader had. It took a time, and I had to learn what to do, but God showed me what to do. I can share with you how to receive and grow what God wants to put in your life. But your part is to pay the price of developing it and expanding it to others. So my role now in this new season has to shift from being an equipper to be an equipper of people and not be leading activities and things in the church. Someone else needs to do that who can motivate and mobilize. And the next season is pulling up all the gifts that everyone has, finding out what God put in you, finding out the dreams and the visions in you, getting you to start to think what God put in you, and then to grow up so you can fulfill it. Because just because you've got a dream doesn't mean you can do it. You do have to be prepared and helped and, and discipled in that or growing into that. But that is the next season because that's what God is doing. For the saints being matured, you don't mature on your own. Lone rangers become unusually weird strangers. They don't usually attract people very easily because there's something a bit strange. We work out our relationship with Jesus in the context of a small group of connection in the church. That's why we all need to be connected into a group. Let me just share with you some things. I've gone back and forth. You and I had a bit, bit of a talk about it. These are things which are built into our life which 
are part of who we are. So if I was to go somewhere else and have to build another work, these things would all turn up there. How about that? Because they're in me. It's DNA. It's what we call DNA. It got in. And what I want to share with in another session, how it got in and how it got to grow and get bigger. And how it's to keep it when most people lose it. Those are good things to learn, aren't they? I can tell you. But then you've got to make it your own. You've got to take the legacy. I can share with you what God has in this house for you, but your part is to receive. Position yourself to get it and grow it and make it become your own. I look at Pete. Pete was in our church in Dannyburg, uh, Pete Kirsten, and now he goes out with his wife, and he carries strong faith. He carries prophetic flow. He carries healing of the heart. carries lots of it. He carries something that goes out into the world. And are they busy doing something in the church? No, because they've got a call into the world to shape something in nations. Sandy's up there now in, uh, which country is it again? Indonesia, isn't it? Philippines, that's right, Philippines, where there's been the big storms. And uh, she's ministering up there to people in trauma. They have something to give us. See, so, but you've got to learn to receive and build, okay? So here, here's some, what I would consider has been built into our lives. These are core things that got built, and they were built a certain way, and they came a certain way. Number one is strong worship and praise and love for the presence of God. Wherever we go, I'm concerned about the presence of God and about strong praise and strong worship. This is a very high value, and it was built in in church, which highly valued worship and the flowing of God. Strong prayer, strong and fervent prayer. I learned that. It became a part of my life as I got into prayer meetings where people prayed for an hour and I could only do three minutes and I was gasping. But I stuck with it and learned. We got it built into us to pray strong prayer. Hearing the voice of God become a vital truth that was imparted. I've learned how to hear the voice of God, but not only how to hear it, but actually how to share with others how to hear it. So that's taking it from hearing it myself to actually knowing how to tell, train, and minister to others. So hearing the voice of God is a crucial part because how can you do God's work if you don't hear what he's saying? Uh, a A fourth thing is the prophetic ministry. And was the first thing I came into was the prophetic ministry. Every, I look back and every minister I was ever under was prophetic, hearing the voice of God or operating in the supernatural. I never served under any ministry that wasn't operating in the supernatural. That's why the supernatural, the presence of God, hearing the voice of God, worship, praise, prayer. This is why this is important because we paid a price to build it into our lives. See, you get the benefit of it. We don't even understand necessarily that certain things that were built over time that have been built into our lives, that's what's flowing in the house. Father heart of God. I got revelation of God's father heart, of his immense love. Wherever I go in the world, I carry the father heart of God. Uh, uh, the, the, The whole area of kingdom authority, kingdom authority and rewards in eternity is one of the key drivers and motivators in our life. Now, that's an invisible thing because you don't see that. I haven't talked a lot about that. But I'll show you, legacy is made up of, 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 firstly, internal things, the drivers and motivators that make you do what you do and get you going for what you go. And then also the external, which is the ministry. So people see the ministry and eat the fruit of your life, but they don't always know what motivates you to be that kind of person. So you can eat the fruit of our ministry, however... You need to know what motivates the kind of life and values and choices that undergird being able to carry that. 
Because so many people, we've seen over years, they receive something, but they either can't hold it, or they fail and fall and go off the rails because they haven't built a life with God to hold what God is wanting to put in them. That's why Jesus said, follow me, let's pursue him, I will make you, I'm going to grow you. Why? Because my desire is that you influence people uh, through the power of my spirit and the nature of my spirit, but some things have got to come off your life. You've got to change and shift and grow. You've got to deal with some stuff. You need to shift, but you don't have to wait till you shifted to do something. Start now. And on the journey, I'll grow you. On the journey, I'll grow you. So other things that were added in were developing the inner man or how to cultivate, develop the life of the spirit to strengthen, develop the inner man, deliverance and healing. Wherever we go, I minister on the inner man. I minister on deliverance and healing, inner healing, physical healing, deliverance. Heart faith, faith of the heart, not just head knowledge and stuff like that. These are things built into our life, spiritual warfare. We've had years of spiritual warfare. We've walked through things to build this church you would have no idea of unless you also had engaged in spiritual warfare. But I can teach you about those things, how to recognize and what to do with them. Uh, Global mission. Mission was birthed in us before we came here. It was birthed through an encounter and experience with God. It was birthed when I went to, to, to India the first time. And ever since then, it's something everywhere. It's in my heart. Yes, I love our city and our community, but I have the world in my heart. So Dave and Kate will focus on the local community. We still have the world in our heart. It's just not right that we contain our time here when there are multitudes in need and they take it and run with it so quickly. That's why I'm raising the issue of legacy. Because I've come to realize my time's short and valuable and it needs to go where it'll produce. And you're thinking the same way too, especially if you're a bit older. Especially global mission. And then uh, grace. God has given to me a great understanding of grace and a measure of grace and generosity. Uh, grace and generosity, what a part of our lives. So here's the thing. Those things that I mentioned to you, they are something built into our inner makeup that wherever we go, they flow. I don't have to think, should I do this or do that? I'm always thinking kingdom authority. I'm always thinking from an eternal perspective. I'm always concerned about the presence of God, whether it's there or not. I'm always concerned about demonic spirits coming in and creating havoc and causing problem people. I'm always concerned about the heart of people and getting them set free. I'm concerned about people being in faith and not just being church people. All of those things I listed, they are part of who we are and what is the heritage or legacy for this house. That's what gives it a flavor. Now, there's other things as well. Uh, but I just had to kind of list it in a way that I can begin to teach on it and begin to take one value at a time or one area and begin to show you why this is important and how to begin to engage and grow that in your life. And so through the year, I want to do those things, and I want you to take hold of them. I want you to take hold. How many times I run seminar on gifts of the spirits? Oh, heaps of times. But how many of you flow consistently in it? How many times have we taught on hearing the voice of God, but how many of you actually consistently are hearing the voice of God? How many times are we on a seminar teaching of healing and healing of the broken heart and deliverance, but how many of you actually are applying it and are showing these things to someone else? How many of you have taught you about prayer, but your prayer life is almost non-existent? You see, legacy is something you get free because someone else paid a price. Being productive with what God gave you is where you pay the price. 
And the coming season, the church will move from being centered around a strong ministry, centered around a strong ministry gift, and into the church arising and emerging into the community with the saints beginning to arise in their gifts and their callings. This is where God is moving. This is where the life will be. This is where we need to move. Now, not everyone will want that. Some prefer church where you've got a little kingdom, and we're important in that little kingdom. Now, that's not what God's wanting to build. He's not wanting to build important people in the church. Jesus said, follow me. He didn't say, I'll make you to become an important person in the church. I'll make you very rich. I'll make you very famous. I'll make you very successful. He said, none of those things. He said, I will make you an attractor of people, someone who attracts people into my kingdom because they see the life you live. They see the fruit of what God is making you. And they say, that's sweet. I would like some of that. How do I get some of that? God's wanting to grow us and break off our life, the stuff that would cause people to be turned off. Far too religious. I don't want any of that. People don't want that stuff. They don't want legalism. They don't want judgmentalism. They don't want any of that stuff. They want to see the real deal. They want to see Christ in you. And that's why the Holy Ghost was put into you. And the day is on us now for the church begin to arise and say, what has God put in my heart? What is God making me to be? What am I becoming? God's raised up ministries like Peter and Sandy to, to help set people free in their heart. But it's not all about healing. That's just a little bit to get you awakened so you fulfill what God called you to do. For some, they're drawn to that. Well, multiply it. Others, get the benefit of it. Eat it and then find what God called you to do and passionately do it. And let the kingdom of God grow. Don't be religious. See, you can sit in a Pentecostal church, raise your hands, pray in tongues, and do little more than anyone in any church anywhere else is doing. It's about a life, a hidden life with God impacting people. And you're called to it. It's in you to do it. Take hold of it. And we'll share you in in the time coming ahead. I'll share with you some of these things which have grown in our lives. Some of the things that have been important. Key scriptures like Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to you. Luke 4.18. Oh, the Spirit has anointed me. See, these are core things in our lives, and we live them. I want you to live them too. I want you to live them too. You can't live them, enjoy the fruit of them, and invite someone else to eat the fruit too. But it's better if you learn to live them and reproduce them. Amen? Father, we just come before you. We thank you for the great joy. Fancy, fancy that the Holy Spirit would come and live in our hearts to make us great people, make us followers of Jesus, inspire us, put visions and dreams, begin to empower us so we can have an influence. Our life can count. And we get to the end of our life, we don't look back full of regrets. We look back and say, praise God for His faithfulness. Just wherever you're sitting right now, what legacy you're building? What legacy? You, what are you building to impart to someone else? good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. So the good man's thinking generationally. 
See, it may be you're just putting some values into your children. Don't wait till you're old. You're just a young couple. Start to think through what legacy you want to build in your, in your marriage. You've got a first child. Begin to think what family values you're wanting to build. Begin to think ahead. Think ahead what you want to build into them. At the end of the day, those children that come into your life are going to leave your life. And when they leave your life, will they look back and say, man, I thank God for mum and dad. They kept us on the right track. They built godly values into us. Or will they shake their fist at you and say, we really resent you for the way you've treated us. Put everything else first. See, legacy has got many dimensions to it. The first place is practical in the family. It's financial. It's about your values. It's about what you're putting into your children intentionally. If you're a parent and, and your children are growing up, they're in teenage years, don't leave it to the schools and the church to try and do the job God called you to do. Invest in your children. I'm starting to put time on my grandchildren now. Because it's valuable. They're valuable to me. I want them to have relationship because out of that there's impartation. So what are you building? Who are you sharing your life with, your life in Christ? Are you in any group or any connection? Have any people that you share with and have anyone speak into your life? You made it possible for anyone to help you in your journey to grow. Have you got anyone you're intentionally reaching out to? Will it be said at the end of the season, you had such an opportunity to learn so much in God and you never made any of it your own? What a tragedy. What a tragedy. I can feel the Spirit of God coming on people right now. Some of you may look back and you made a lot of mistakes. It's okay. God can redeem your mistakes if you're just honest. Confess them to Him and say, God, I've been so selfish. I've done so many things that were dumb. Lord, there's a lot of pain. But help me now to build a different future. You think now about your workplace. How many of you are thinking about what legacy you'd leave in your work? When you finish up on that job, will they say, oh, well, he's gone? Or will they say, oh, what a loss. He brought such a river of life into this workplace. We loved having him here. There was something different about him. He's a bit religious. We, we can't work out that side of him, but there was something really different and good, and we liked that person. See, influence the life of God. Father, I just pray that in these coming days, that what we've labored many years to build, will impart progressively and more deeply into people here. And the church will grow out into the community. Pray, Lord, for grace on Dave and Kate as they lead the work and begin to find their feet and their strength. And that, Lord, they will go much further than we did and take what we did and take it where it needs to go, out there. That, Lord, the price we pay wouldn't be in vain. But I'll run with those things. Inspire the church carry a message of hope to our community everyone said amen I'd like you to pray for the person next to you if you're comfortable to do that here's what you could pray for pray for a need if they have a need they could tell you the need but once you pray that they will begin to grow like they've never grown before that this next season in their life will be a time of growth and expansion and enlargement increase God's hand would be on their life, giving them grace to do it. 
Would you pray that? Something like that. You can pray it in your own words. Listen to God. He'll show you what to pray. God bless you.